And yeah, this is Palm Sunday, and I don't know how much you think about Palm Sunday. We don't do a special service for it, but I kind of wanted to get palm leaves down and everything, but, but I, then we'd be walking on it, you know? It just didn't seem quite right. The whole thing, to me, is, is just amazing how the multitude of people came to worship Jesus, remember? The whole city turns out to say, Hosanna, Hosanna. It's the same group that's going to do what? Say, crucify him, crucify him. And our salvation is in that death of Jesus. It's so upside down. And if you're here today and you say, man, I'm here because I I worship Christ and I I, I believe this Bible and I'm so excited about what God has done, you've got to know it's upside down than what we, we are tending to think. I expect a Jesus who's going to come and, 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 and be strong and mighty and I want the palm branches because they're beautiful and I want the, everything that's beautiful and right and true needs to be Christ and, 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 and he's going to establish truth and justice and rightness and goodness and everything's going to be fabulous because Jesus. And then his whole salvation piece as he comes and is like tortured and dies something different going on right something more than what we normally are prone to think i'm prone to think that way and so it is with this fantastic law that god has given to his people and we are his people aren't we we've been talking about in the ten commandments they're they're beautiful this beautiful expression about how life should run They are good. It is so good if life would run this way. What's best for society? God's laws for people, his own people, Israel originally, but echoing down through the ages, even in the New Testament, affirmed that these are beautiful commands to live by. They are. And we're coming to the 10th and final command this week. We slow down to do them. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. That's where we are. It's one verse. After this, I promise we're going to speed up. You're going to be happy because there's like long instructions on how to build a tabernacle. <laughs> Let's not take that a verse at a time. <laughs> but the reality, right? This 10th and final command, it, it's, it's, it's marvelous. But we've already come through nine. Nine words of God, right? And, and boy, if you aren't yet convinced or yet convicted, I... I I hope that today does it for you. Yeah, I want you to be convicted. Not, not, not given a little more energy to do these, but to actually see that the law is not a ladder to get to God or to keep his favor or to make sure you're saved. It's actually very common to hear that. I, I looked at one of the common commentary this week and said that basically you should have no assurance of salvation unless you're doing these things they were listing out. I said, are you kidding? I don't do any of them. I, I, am, I, am I saved? How do I know? That's a horrible take. Because, as Martin Luther said, the law always accuses you. It doesn't pat you on the back. It's not your friend. It's not something that says, man, you've done good. I, I'm, I'm going to come with you to talk to God about how great you've been. No, it comes to condemn you, to crush you. A baseball bat to your kneecaps. Right? It's not, not good. So from worshiping only God, 
because that's the first one, right? To not putting anything else before him. Command after command hits you and hits your heart. Even the ones we, we don't think we do, like murder. But actually, yes, I murder because I get angry. That's Jesus, the Son of God, telling me that in the New Testament. There's, there's adultery. It's just lust. And, and, and order things that I really do do, and I know I do, but I self-justify about. We looked at that last week with stealing and amazing stuff, right? And into the darkness of our guilt and shame comes not improvement, but something else. Forgiveness. This is so radical that I'm, I'm, I start with it. <laughs> I'm going to try and show you because we really do live our whole lives in this idea of I'm going to improve and grow. I will stop doing that bad thing and I will do the good thing. And I expect that that's what everyone around me is looking at me and saying. And here comes Jesus. And the whole presentation upside down of God is that you don't do what you ought to do. And so you need forgiveness. Forgiveness huge this is different than the world knows it's supernatural a god who died for us who promises life in him whose word is a word of good news to the outcast the blind the lame the leper the undeserving the crushed who's for us and so here we are this is the last one and it's not an accident that this one is last it is not this is this is it comes to the influence and is underneath many of the other ones and you probably know it well it's it's i just there's this one picture it's just it's beautiful yeah maybe i'm not going you guys might have to change them for me that it's it's beautiful here it is exodus 20 verse 17 you shall not covet your neighbor's house you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. <laughs> so, wait a minute, this one's beautiful, Dax. <laughs> you know, on the surface, this looks pretty simple and straightforward. Uh, don't covet. That's, I'm not even sure what that means exactly, but I, I guess it means I'm not going to go steal my neighbor's wife or his house. Doesn't mean that, does it? No, no, covet just means Desire. Long for, want, right? So, so, so that's interesting. He says, don't long for, don't desire, don't even want the house across the street that's nicer than yours, right? God hasn't given that to you. Don't long for the, someone else's spouse or someone else's car or job or their circumstances or their life. Don't long for, don't desire for what you don't have, don't, don't even get it in your heart at all. So, so you could, and, and he could have just said, right? It could, you guys remember these commands, right? You remember the ones we had even two weeks ago, and then last week was one was don't murder. Another one was don't commit adultery, don't, don't steal, don't bear false witness. Why didn't you just say don't covet? Let me ask those kind of questions. Here's, here's now. The God's going to write these on stone. It takes a little time to write stuff on stone. Don't covet. And then he goes off on all this list of the, the, the neighbor's wife, your neighbor's house, your male servant, or your female servant, either one. What's he doing? What is God saying when he starts listing them out? The ox and the donkey too? How different are those things? I know someone after him is going to come up and say, you know, an ox and a donkey are very different, Dax. 
I get it, they're different. But for the purposes of this, how are they actually different? (laughs) They're not. What's he doing? He's starting to enumerate out all, like on this one particularly, don't long for anything, anything that your neighbor has. Let me give you some examples. Boom, 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 boom. So it stays in our mind for a few seconds more. Everything. So, so you could take this positively. If I was going to flip this over to the other side, what would I say? This is what you should do, right? Always, what? Positive. Don't covet is the same thing saying always be content. Isn't that what this command is saying to you? Commanding you? Always be content with what you have. I, I think this is the command of God to you. I think if there's a God, and there is, and he has his hand on you, and he does, then what he gives you is enough, isn't it? Be content with where you are. Be content with what you have. The New Testament affirms this, doesn't it? It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. (laughs) It's like, if you could just keep your heart, this is beautiful. This is so beautiful. Jeremiah Burroughs, we've read this, I've read this book several times, this old Puritan writer, he says, the rare jewel of Christian contentment. Amazing. To so trust God that you're just like, I live in thanksgiving, I don't want anything else because he hasn't given it to me. I think that contentment is linked to lack of anxiety. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, don't be anxious for anything, right? He says, look at the beauty of the lily. L- look, at the, look at the birds of the field. They're just living in the, in the contented life that God is clothing, and it's beautiful. They don't need more stuff covering them. They're gorgeous because they're living as God intended. They're not anxious for something else. And this is excellent, beautiful. Leave anxiety behind. Don't long for the thing you don't have. I, I'll refocus on that. Thanks, Dax. That, that's good. I can. This is a good message. The law is beautiful, and I should do it. I should be a person of contentment. Yes, you should. You're right. But this isn't talking about you. You're not this way. I would say that you're ugly. I have this fun picture. Go to the next one if you can, if you guys are there. I like this. Well, you saw for a second. What causes... (laughs) So this is it. We're ugly, right? Stay there with me. Because we've so sanctified, we've so made the very thing we're commanded not to do okay to actually live our whole lives in. We, you, I'm talking about you. I I am talking about me. I'm talking about us together. I'm not keeping me out of this loop. We covet. And we think it's okay. I, I wish I had that as a driver for almost everyone I know. We want what we don't have. We want what somebody else has. We covet things. And it's not just stuff. And that's why I think it starts listing it out, even in the Ten Commandments. It's not just the thing. It's I covet relationships that other people have. I, I covet friends, spouses, good times, 
We wish we had status or power or, or ingenuity or influence, a network, mentors. Oh, how I long for a good mentor. I wish I were thinner. <laughs> yes, I do. I wish I could make people laugh like a Mark Driscoll. Man, that guy. I wish, and then you could start naming your life. Who do you really, man, I wish I was like that. I even want things for the people I love. It's threaded through it. That'll be good for me because I really love them. They do well, I do. My kids, how I want them to have success. Oh. I want your experience. I want your blessings. As far back as I can remember, it's always looking to have more than you have. Something better and more exciting is around the bend. And there's more freedom to be had. There's more fun to be had. There's more experience to be had. There's places to go that I, I haven't been. We used to have that up in our office. And one of our, one of our staff would just would, 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 would kind of you know, rub off each state that as he went to it, each part of the world as he went to it. And there's always these parts that haven't been uncovered yet. And I long to go. Everybody I know is kind of like this, not with necessarily travel, but with something, right? It, it, and, and it was from our earliest age. If we're in grade school, we long for high school. If we're in high school, we long for college. If we're in college, we long for grad school. If we're in grad school, we long for a job and family. If we don't have kids, we long for kids. If you've got little kids, you long for big kids. By the time you get to big kids, you long for little kids again. But that's where you go, Right? On and on, something more, something better. The grass is always greener. And I know that's a hackneyed phrase, but it's true. I was uh, listening to another story, another pastor was talking about this interview that Tom Brady did in their 60 minutes after he won his first Super Bowl. And he kind of gave this really interesting interview about kind of saying, well, what's left? I've done it. What's, what, what more can I do? I, Super Bowl is the pinnacle of achievement and and then he kind of ended with, well, I, I guess, I guess I could do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Was he done it 13 times? I wonder if that's enough. And no, he's now unretired. <laughs> maybe I can do it again. Why? Because if you do it once, maybe again is what I should do. It never ends. There's always something else to do, right? We've got to call this kind of stuff. I, I, I know what I do. I, I, I generally tend to okay this under a couple guises. Here's one. Fairness. You guys use the fairness doctrine? I used it all the time growing up. It is amazing about how it covers coveting. Like, I don't want what you have. I just want what's fair. Like, if you get a slice of pie, I want a slice of pie. No, I don't. I don't like pie. But let's make it brownies. If you like a brownie, I want one too. In fact, I would be really happy when I look at the plate if mine's just a little bigger than yours. But if it's exactly the same, I'm fine with that. If mine's smaller, wait a minute. I think you should give me yours. I picked the wrong one. And we don't get that. That's a silly thing, right? But we're like that. We actually want what we see other people have as normative. If someone else has a car, I want a car. If someone else has health, I want health. I don't want the, thing, the, the, the situation I'm in. I want us all to have the same. That's a, uh, that's a cover for this thing called coveting. I want what you have. Let's call it what it is, right? It's sin. Life is a series of deaths. You know that, of change. 
Every death brings a sense of loss for what I used to have. So you know what a lot of coveting becomes? Looking back at what I used to have, especially as you get older. I used to be able to run a marathon. I used to be slim. I used to be handsome. I know. No, it's not true, right? And, uh, but, but no, I, my kids used to, used to be so, man, they would just come and jump on my lap and give me hugs, and I would snuggle in. And I'm like, oh, Dad, you're here. I'm going back up to my room. They don't do that like a negative. They're just being themselves. But I long for those days. What's that? I covet younger Dax. Right? I, this is so woven into who we are, this wanting, this longing, this desire. It comes so naturally to us. Looking forward, we covet what we don't have. Looking backward, we covet what we used to have. And, and almost every ad on TV is crafted to just feed this. You need this thing, right? This widget that's like going to do nothing for your life. But, but you need it. You need this medicine. Don't read the 25 conditions that it's going like, to kill you. But, but there's this sense of, oh, my life would be better if I had that. And that sense of longing is what the Bible is pointing at to you and saying, you covet. You covet. Don't think that all of our social media isn't feeding on this. It is. You look at Facebook. You look at TikTok. You look at Snapchat. You're looking at other people's things, and you're you're evaluating without even thinking about it. You're not overtly going, I just want to be like them. No, but it's it's feeding this sense of, I don't think I'm enough. I think I would be better if I had this. If I could be like that. If I had what I don't have. That's called coveting. Life would be more happy. Life would be better if I had what other people have. There's never enough. You know that, right? John Rockefeller is super famous. Says, how much money is enough? The guy had more money than he could... He could burn it for the rest of his life. And he said, just a little bit more. So even when we have stuff, we still want more. And I know, I know, I get this. I've lived my life like this. So I know, I know the question's going to, well, Dax, isn't it okay to just want a better life? Isn't it okay to have a little ambition Isn't it okay to just want fairness in your life? There's such inequity. Isn't it okay to want a little more happiness to pursue that? Isn't it okay to strive forward? You know, and and here's the thing. Justice is good. It's the problem of you wanting it. Justice isn't bad. The law isn't bad. The law is fabulous. But, But the problem is you, God's kid. You're the problem. Because what? You're not who? God. You're not God. And you want what God hasn't given you. It is ugly, and we call it good. It reveals a heart that says, I don't have enough. I don't have what I need. I need more. Or an anxiety that says, I am not taken care of enough. I'm in danger if I don't get what I think I need. I need more. I need to be better. I need. If I have these things over here, if I have those relationships over there, if I've got those experiences that that person has, if I have what I long for, if I have what I covet, I will be okay. 
I will know that God cares for me. I will agree that life is worth living. That is so crazy. And yet, I live there. I don't know anyone who doesn't, to some degree, live there. Everybody in this room. Right? When you, it's not enough to say, I'll try to do better. When you do it naturally and you call it good, you and I were like dirty slugs calling ourselves butterflies. Don't look at, don't look at how bad I am. We'll cover it over and call it Okay. And I say that because you are a coveter. And, and it is beautiful to not covet. To be blessedly, wonderfully content. So there's, there's even this theological term that we've used before. It's called being a theologian of glory. It, it's when we, because we spiritualize this, it's when we actually say what we're going to do is we're going to use our Christianity to get that thing that I think I need. And we'll even make it a spiritual thing. If I just didn't struggle with being angry anymore, so that's what I need, and I still struggle, God, why I need that or else? So I'm going to use Jesus, the cross, to get me to where I think I need to be, which is a less angry person. You haven't gotten out of coveting. That's why this is the last command. You need to never be angry wrongly. There's a holy anger, but that's not your anger. That's a, my, my anger is always kind of threaded through. So I said, well, I know I need to be that way, so I'm going to use my, my faith. I'm going to use Jesus to make me a better person because this is what I need. Guess what you're using? You're using the language of coveting. You're wanting what you don't have. Even our basic spiritual things, were, it reveals that we at our hearts are theologians of glory. We want God to make us something we're not. He needs to. I want it. That's Martin Luther then said, what you need to be is a theologian of the cross where you come and you get to Christ. We're getting there, don't worry, but we're not quite there yet. And what he actually said is really interesting. He said that the quest for glory can never be satisfied. It must be extinguished. Think on that for a minute. The quest for glory can never be satisfied. It must be extinguished. It goes along with James. <laughs> That's just the, the, the observation. I love James. James as a book, it's just amazing. He goes through all these things and says, well, this is bad. And then he stops and goes on to the next thing. And I'm waiting for him to say, wait a minute. I wanted three tips on how not to do that anymore, James. The tongue is a pit of fire set on fire by the flames of hell. Uh, okay. Next. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want my, my tongue to be a flame of fire. Too bad. Do you have a tongue? Yes, it is a flame of fire. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. Well, I'll just work on that. No, you won't. I'm just telling you what the truth is. Let's go to the next one. Well, here's one of the next ones. This is James 4, 1, and it says this. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Have you ever been in a quarrel? I think I'm in one once or twice a week with my wife. My fault. My fault. I'll get in one with you sometime for sure. Just give me a few minutes. What causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? 
Well, okay, war is about passions. I get it. No, no, read on. Just one more verse. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You don't have because you don't ask. James' whole piece is that you're so wanting what you don't have that you fight about it all the time. You want something you don't have. What's that kind of the definition of? In fact, James even calls it this. You covet. Nice. I got to check on that one. (laughs) Whoever's doing that, yeah, that's great. Ding. We got it. (laughs) Woohoo. See, James says you fight and you're angry and you bicker because you aren't getting what you covet. You want what you don't have. And further, you don't think God gives you what you most need. Because if you ask, if you ask, you say, God, I, this is what I want, and you lay it before him, and then he doesn't give it to you, then what? You didn't need it, right? Because God gives us what we need. Oh, we should be asking, and one of our problems is we don't ask. We just go try and get. That's a problem. But an even greater problem is we don't ask, and, and then we don't trust that what God gives is what he wants to give. And you know what? God gives fabulous gifts. The Holy Spirit heals people. He cures relationships. He settles our hearts. He takes away anxiety. He does those things. And sometimes he doesn't. And it's not, oh, you didn't ask right. It's no, you went through the process of saying, I ask is to submit to the will of a God who knows. Uh, That's the whole thing where he's God and I'm not. That's what we're talking about, right? So, so, so we come and say, okay, Dax, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting where you're going. Yeah, what we need to see is especially, it goes along with Palm Sunday, we need to see the love of Jesus for us. So that's next. Go, go to the next slide if you can. I'm for some reason not changing. The love of Jesus. I want to read you a single Bible sentence. I want you to hear it, and, and we read it earlier, so I'm not going to put it back on the screen. I'm just going to read it here in the Bible. But would you hear, this is talking, this is uh, Paul in Ephesians. He's not talking about anything that you do. He's not saying a single word about what you do. He's talking about what you have right now, this minute, this moment, not in the future, not sometime, right now. He says this, he said, blessed be God and Father. This is one sentence. Paul starts writing and he can't stop. He gets so excited. He just goes, he just goes, I'm so excited. Let me just tell you what you have. Let me talk to you for a second about what you have. And he just starts trying to, then this, and this, and this. Oh yeah, and this, oh, and this, oh, three. And pretty soon he's a run-on sentence like Paul. Don't take grammar from this man. But, but, but the reason is, he's excited. And he's amazed. And we should be too, right? How blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm gonna pause a couple times in the reading of the sentence, but just to say, he has blessed you is a, is a tense, it's a verb tense. It means you already have it. It doesn't mean you might be blessed in the future if you're a really good kid. He has blessed you in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before, before you even breathed the breath, he had you. And, and it says that we should be holy and blameless before him. You're gonna be holy and blameless because he chose you in the, this is amazing. He keeps going in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You're adopted. Done deal. Amazing, you're in his family. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. He's graced us with grace. In him we've redemption through his blood. You're redeemed. It's done. 
and, 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 and we have forgiveness of our trespasses. You're forgiven all of them. It's done according to the riches of his grace. That's pretty rich. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. You are united to God. You are united to the God of the universe in Christ. In him we've obtained an inheritance and been predestined according to the purpose of him who works in, according to the counsel of his will so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Were sealed, done deal, you are sealed. With the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it in the praise of his glory. And yeah, I just, that's all one sentence. And then he ends, and I'm like, well, I kind of got maybe a third of that. But like, boom, 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 explosion, boom. Look at what you have. He's giving you, I'm going to break into a rap. And it's going to be brutal. But it's going to be amazing because look, look, you have this, right? You have it right now. You don't have it later. You, don't, you have it in the midst of your failing body. You have it in the midst of your relationships that are broken to pieces. You have it in the midst of your kids who won't talk to you or your parents who won't talk to you. you you've got it in the midst of your job going away. You've got it in the midst of not having enough food. You've got enough in all these things. You've got this amazing, fantastic, unalterable, huge blessing that you can't even hardly understand. I, just, just before service, I'm, I'm so mad at God right now. I get it. I actually get it. My relationships aren't great either. My body's failing too. Come have a heart attack with me. It's a great fun. No, it's not. Right? We have these things. And my longing is not to have them or to have what you have. But the reality is, if I would just see the love of Christ for me, every spiritual blessing right now, chosen, homely, blameless, love, predestined, adoption, blessed, redeemed, forgiven, lavished, getting to know the incredible mystery, inheritance, hope, sealed, guarantee. I'm just picking words. Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. How could you ever be anxious? How could you ever think you don't have enough? How could you ever think he's not giving you what you need? Your God who loves you. Why do you have to go take it or want to? There is nothing you need that you don't have right now. We're God. So behind our coveting, at least some people go, this idea is, 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 is perhaps forgetting. You know, I'll do stuff like that. There, you know, I put my glasses on the top of my head now to read. And then I'd say, well, where's my glasses? Who took my glasses? No, 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 Swanson, they're right there. Where's your keys? Where's your wallet? Where's your assurance of salvation? Because it's right here in front of your eyes. But really, that's not really the problem, is it? The problem is my unbelief. I don't really believe it. My achy body, my poor relationships, my difficult circumstances are speaking to me. God doesn't care to me. And I believe them more than I believe that God actually does. And so my coveting is a sign of unbelief, like all things are. 
I forget that everything is Christ, and so I go after other things, and my other things are in my face. I, I forget I have everything, and, and you know what? I don't act like it, and so remember and believe. And, and, and so, so, whoa, 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 whoa. We've come to the break. We don't have too much time left, but you've got to get this. If you don't get this, you don't got the Ten Commandments. Because here's the thing. I hope you, like me, am horrified at the ugly coveter that I am and you are. I am. And I've just told you what you really need to see is the love of Christ for you. And you do. And so again, the wrong pathway people take, the wrong path, the common path, the thing that, that pulls you, is you'll say, oh, thank you, tax. Man, I had a convicting sermon this Sunday. What am I going to work on? I'm going to work on not coveting. I'm going to stop that. What am I going to use? The love of God for me. What's going to happen? I'm going to be better. What am I doing? Coveting. Being better. You didn't escape. With this pathway of what God wants is for me to be best and good, you, all I've done is taken the law and said you should do it, and all that you're doing is bringing in some Jesus and saying, with a little more reminding of Jesus, I can overcome. I can do the law. Now I won't do. Now I'll always receive Christ. No, 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 you've got it wrong. You've got it wrong the whole time. The whole time is why Jesus had to die. Not why he came in in triumph, but why he was coming in a triumph to go to the cross. It would be fabulous if what he did was coming in triumph and y'all said, yes, we love him, we receive him, Hosanna in the highest, and we embrace him, and it was done. Then you could go this way. But there is no hope that way because that's not how it works. It's got to work a different way. What's the way it works? Well, not the dead end because redoubling your efforts to not covet doesn't make you not covet. You just rename it. You just hide it. You just sanctify it. You change the object from a car or your kid's success to your own spiritual advancement. And it still crushes you. Like all the Ten Commandments, it's not about forgetting that Jesus loves you. I mean, you shouldn't do that. You should always live. We should live every moment because it's true. It's true in spades. Spades? I hope that's not a card reference. Whatever it is, it's really true. Jesus adores you and he died for you and he loves you and he's given you what you can't even imagine. It is the truth. And as you dwell there and your heart gets overwhelmed, praise God, you don't stay there. I know you. You're going to get on Facebook after church. Okay, if you're a kid, it's not Facebook. I get it. I'm an old person. But you're going to get on something. You're going to want, and you're going to covet again. And, and the, so the answer for your life has to be something different. Because you don't believe you have everything you need right now and forever, and you still don't, and that you are everything that God wants right now. You don't believe it. It's true. But because you don't believe it, the answer for your life is something different. Life is about receiving a particular truth. It's about receiving that Jesus Christ loves you while you still covet. Jesus Christ adores you as you covet. He adores you as you are now. This is so important. God, my, my, my Savior went to the cross, and he went to the cross for, to give his good righteousness and forgiveness of sins to people who are ugly 
not who have buffed themselves out. Right? That's the Son of God. It's, it's the pure and holy, right and true. He never covets. He never desires anything out of place. He comes up and he embraces dirty nobodies. Let me give you one quick example before we're done. And, and we'll be done quickly. But this is so important. So it says there in John, uh, it's, it's actually Luke. It's Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho. He's on his way to the cross in Luke 19. He entered Jericho. He was passing through. And behold, there's a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. In the next slide. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was small. So he ran ahead and he climbed the tree and he'd see Jesus. He was bound to pass away. So, so this is, you know this story. I think you know this story. When Jesus came to the place where he was, he looked up, he saw Zacchaeus, hurry, come down. I must stay at your house today. This is an incredible thing. It's this guy. You, 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 you. It's hard for us to understand the depth of this. He is a pariah, outcast, nobody. Nobody wants to be around him because the guy's a slimy jerk. You would not hang out with him. On top of that, he's a midget. Nothing against midgets, but in this culture, he has no stature. That's the thing. He has no stature. He's a sinner with no stature. He's nobody. You don't do it. You stay away from a guy like that because he's going to infect you and he has nothing to give you except for the filthy mammon of the Roman taxes he's been collecting for them. You just avoid that evil person. And here Jesus sees him in a tree. He says, come on, I got to hang out with you. Right? And he does. And he does. And then later on, just a few verses later, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. The son of man came to seek and to save that which is lost. What are you? Lost. What is he doing? Seeking and saving you. This is our salvation. This is it. It's not, he came to seek and save those who are diligently working to do the Ten Commandments. He came to, to, to seek and save. No, the, the wonder of, of salvation is Luke 15, right? Where, where there's joy before the angels in heaven, talking about how God rejoices with joy unbelievably huge when he rescues one sinner. What's the rescue? They trust him. They turn from self-salvation I'm going to do better, God. If you just give me a little more help, I'll get there. To I can't, and Jesus, you have, and I receive your forgiveness. Son of God who died for me. That's the thing. That's reflecting this whole piece. God doing a happy dance, rescuing the coin, the lamb, the sinner. He has set his love on you. Jesus forgives you. He brings you in. Even knowing that you covet, it's not about your coveting anymore. The books are burned. They're ripped up. The accounts are nailed to the cross. It's all done. You just say, hey, it's true. I am bad. I am evil. It's not a little thing. It's not speeding, uh, going three miles over the speed limit. I covet And Jesus embraces. It's a total change, and we're going to see it later. It's a total change in the Bible. When, when, when in the Old Testament, you had to be holy to come into the presence of God. And in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the Holy One, grabs hold of lepers, and they get clean. It's totally upside down. God does it for us. 
That's the answer we have. He loves you. Not, not when you shower, not when you clean up, not when you pick up, not when you stop, because you never ever will in your flesh escape the condemnation of the law. Only in Christ, where he actually says, you're mine, receive the gift of forgiveness, of goodness. This is why a fantastic verse of salvation is First John 4. We have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Crushed we are. Yeah, that's Yoda speak. Crushed we are. Our hopes of becoming the hero, our hopes of becoming Jesus are no more. We can study the moves, we can act the part, but our hearts always betray us. We long for what we don't have. We cry for what we've lost. We covet just like we murder and we steal and we lie and we don't put God totally first in our hearts and, and, and anxiety and fear and depression and greed and lust and anger, they mark us all. They condemn us because we ought not be this way. And, and the answer isn't don't. It's forgiven full and free. This is the good news. Not that you will stop and become strong, but your weakness, you're rescued by the one who paid it for you. Come and be free. Come and see the incredible love of Christ. And so Palm Sunday, when we're, we're singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, oh, Jesus is awesome, and we are beautiful too, waving these palm branches that are glorious. But the real work happens on Friday when the Son of God goes to the cross alone, when he dies for us and his blood is for us. And when death can't hold him, and he comes and says, I've done this for you, would you receive today the gift of God in Christ? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for what you've done for us. We do not deserve it. Lord, even in these things that are so good, Lord, I pray for our body, for our life here on earth, that we would learn not to covet so much. You would help us, Lord, to not sin. Sin is so bad. But Father, how much more, how much more deeply do I pray that we might grasp and receive and hold on to your forgiveness. The love that you have for us in the midst of our struggle. Lord, help us to lock arms. Help us to encourage each other with the good news of what your son's done for us. And it's in his name we pray.